You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Well, it's, it's wonderful to be here this morning. I uh, love the worship this morning and just I just really believe that we are going to see some sea splitting things happen here this morning. Have you got faith for that? I hope your expectation is rising as we came in here to worship. Because, um, you know, without expectation, you're not going to receive much. So raise your expectation and you'll be amazed at what God is going to do this morning in this place. Um, I feel like a, a family member in this house. Uh, I've known Chad and Jay for so long, as Jay said, 20 years. And 20 years isn't to be sniffed at. Uh, a lot happens in 20 years. And we've grown to really... Well, I mean, we actually loved these guys the moment we saw them. They weren't even married yet when we met them. And um, Chad, Jay, thank you. You are just a wonderful, wonderful couple. You as a church are honestly blessed to have such a good couple. You know, I love uh, Jay's quirkiness, and I, I just love her like style, and I love the conference that she did, Free and Wild. I think that kind of sums her up. And um, I love Chad's wisdom. You know, most of us have, yeah, he's getting gray. I know, it happens, Chad. Um, (laughs) But, you know, most of us have four wisdom teeth. Um, I've only got two left, uh, but I think all Chad's teeth are wisdom teeth, you know. He's just, okay, that was a time for you to really shout and say amen, okay. But Chad, you do. You are a brilliant teacher, you are a good leader, and you have got a lot of wisdom. And you are lucky, not lucky, but you're blessed to have him in the house, leading this house. So thank you for inviting me here today. Rob sends lots of love. Rob and Ryan are in Perth. They've flown over to Tony Eyde to go and minister there. So you get me this morning. And... um, (laughs) I'm really pleased about that um, because I do feel at home here and I feel that um, I can just share from my heart. Uh, so don't, please don't expect a, you know, screaming, sh- jumping around because I'm not Rob. I'm me and I just do me really well. So if you just can open your hearts to what I have to share this morning, I believe you will receive something into your hearts. And I just want to also, you know, just thank Ryan and Kylie. You know, who would have thought, last year I did not think I would be standing here in Bayside Church preaching with my daughter-in-law and my grandchildren and my son in Perth. But Kylie's sitting here. They're supposed to be in Hong Kong, you know. Um, They're not supposed to be sitting here. And I just remember, if you just bear with me for a while, I, I remember the day. Um, I can't remember the date because, you know, like I'm nearly 61 now, so I do forget things. But I remember when they told us that God is calling them to Australia. I'm like, God, are you sure about this? <laughs> and um, you know what it was like? The first, when they told us, it was like my heart stopped beating, you know. And it felt like somebody had like ripped my rib cage open, pulled my heart out, grabbed my heart and rubbed it on the ground, opened my heart and shoved it back in again and said, there you go, deal with that. And honestly, I know, Kylie, you're going to pay now. Um, (laughs) 
But really, that's, that is the kind of pain and, and that, I, that I felt. And I'm like, God, what are we going to do? And I was finding, I was, when I was sleeping, I was waking up in the middle of the night. And what woke me up was my crying. I was just like crying. I'm like, God, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Why are they going? You know, we need them here. But I mean, they gave us 12 years in Hong Kong. And they gave us 12 good years. And um, I just know that um, there came a point after about three days of me moping around and really feeling sorry for myself and for our church that God actually said to me, he said, why are you complaining? He said, they've given you 12 years. And not only that, I've called them um, into to Australia. And so you need to rejoice with that, that they are going forward. They're not going backwards. They are going forward into their future. And they are going to be possessing the things that I've prepared them for, for 12 years in Hong Kong, has been a preparation time for what is coming ahead for them in Australia. So you need to be happy and thankful and rejoice in that. And the moment God said that to me, you know, your whole attitude changes, your whole perspective changes, and then you can rejoice and you can actually be at peace. And I just felt the peace of God come on me. So if there's anyone here, you dealing with some of those kind of things, get a hold of God and let his peace and his perspective come to you. And then it doesn't matter what situation you face. God is in control, and he will bring that peace. You know, um, what I found is that um, for them it was progress to move out of Hong Kong to come here. And without, uh, there is no progress without change. And if you change nothing, nothing's going to change. <laughs> you know, you change nothing, nothing's going to change. And change can be difficult. Change can be hard. Progress can be tough sometimes. I don't know about you, but when I was a little child growing up, I better look at my watch to see when I started. Chad, you stop me when I've come to the time. But when I was a child, I don't know about you, I used to get terrible groan pains in my legs, and it was really painful, really, really sore. Anybody else had that? You can actually, by the way, you can talk back to me. I love it. Okay. And those pains, it's like bone ache, you know, it's like they really sore. But there is a positive in that because I'm now going from a child to an adult. And there was a purpose in that. And now I'm an adult and I've grown. And so there was purpose in that pain. So all pro no progress without change. So for me, to, in order for me to become an adult, I had to go through some pain and some changes in order to now stand in the call and the destiny and the purpose that God has for me. You know, uh, I would, they had to step out on the water to come. It's, it's, you know, God calls you and he tells you things, but you know that you still have to respond and you've got to take that first step. You've got to walk on the water. You've got to take that step. If you don't take that step, actually nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. You've got to take that first step. And so they took that first step and walked on the water. And really that is what my life has been. I would not be standing up here today if I didn't keep taking those steps forward into the purposes of God. No matter what came against me, I've had to continue to keep my eyes fixed on him, knowing he's called me, he's got a purpose for me. I'm stepping forward into that. I'm progressing. I'm making changes. I'm cooperating with God into my destiny. So that's a long way to say, it's good to see you here, Kylie. <laughs> but you know, 
I didn't just say that for that. I really believe I, I, that's part of my message, that change nothing and nothing will change. And um, the title of my message today is called The Heart of the Issue. I've got your old ways, never open new doors. And sometimes we like to get stuck. We get stuck in the past. We get stuck in a rut, in the same, doing the same thing over and over again. But nothing changes. We do the same thing. But old ways never open new doors. So God is wanting to continually change us into the likeness and the image of Christ. And um, we all face very difficult situations, but we can still move forward in those situations. So change. I'm not talking on change, but we all do have to change. But I'm just thinking now we're in March 2018. Like Erin said, where has this year gone? We're into March already. And so I just want to ask you a question. What are you expecting for 2018? What are you expecting to change? What are you expecting to happen in your life? These are questions we need to face and we need to have answers to because we've got to make decisions about how we go forward. And if we don't ask these questions, we don't know how to make the right decisions to move forward. So today... I would like to speak on one issue that I believe is a major issue for change in our life. It is the one issue that will determine whether we live a negative life or a positive life. Just that one thing. I could speak on many things today, but I want to just concentrate on the one thing that has made a difference in my life. I've been saved for 41 years. We've been in the ministry for 39 years, 39 years. And this is the one thing that has kept me moving forward. It is the one thing that's kept me taking those steps forward. And um, it is that one thing. So it's an easy thing for you to remember. It's just one thing. But there's many little points to it, but it's one thing. And um, that is the nerve center of all of life. You get this thing right, everything else is going to flow in your life. And you're going to live a positive life. You're going to live a life of fulfillment. You're going to live a life of the purposes of God. You're going to live actually a fulfilled life. And so I would like um, to ask you first, before I tell you what it is, the first thing... (laughs) I really want you to want to hear this, so I want you to pull it out of me. I'm naughty, but um, let me ask you a question. What makes you, you? What makes you, you, who you are? What really makes who you are? Do you want to maybe shout some things out at me that you think could be the things that make you, you? Okay, I'll start off, and then then you can kind of see where I'm going. Your education makes you you. Parents make you really you. Your job, yep, good. Personality, yeah. Family, God, yeah. Partner, yeah. Oh, I love that Aussie accent. I nearly missed it. I've been in Hong Kong too long. Yeah, there's been some really good um, answers in that. But I just want to say, I re- what I really believe 
and it lines up with the Word of God, is that those are all things that influence who we are. But it is not really what makes us and determines who we really are going to be. Now listen why, because I'm going to read you some scriptures. But in Proverbs, this is the nerve center. In Proverbs 23, it says, the Bible says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we see there that our thoughts are very important. The thoughts that are in the core of your being. It's not just in your head, your thoughts. It's the thoughts that have been distilled through your thinking, and it has got into your heart, and it's made you who you are. It's your thoughts. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we can see from that how our thought processes and our thinking influences and is a major factor in determining who we really are. Obviously, in the New Covenant, we know who we are in Christ, and that is who we really are, and that is what influences us now as Christians. But many people have had so many wrong thinking, so much wrong thinking in their, in their hearts about them, themselves. And I just want to say that, you know, your thoughts actually determine your belief system, how you really think. It's because of the thoughts how you, you know, how you think. And your belief system determines your conviction, your convictions. Your convictions determine your attitude. You wonder why some people have got a good attitude or a bad attitude, you know? And some are positive and some are negative. Well, it all starts in our thoughts. And our attitudes then determine our perceptions, how we see the world, how we see things, how we see other people. And then, once we've, got, once we've got those perceptions, it then influences our behavior. And what religion does is it tries to change our behavior. But God, that's not right. That's right. Because you're starting at the wrong end. You've got to start at the top end. <laughs> okay. And you've got to start with the thinking. That's what the Bible says. We start with the thinking. As you think in your heart. And... And then that will start to filter down and change your belief system. You think of, you, of yourself before you got saved. You had a belief system that you can't believe you believe that, you know. And look how you've changed. You haven't changed because you try to change your belief system. You've changed because your mind has been renewed to the word of God and who God sees you as and, and who you are in Christ. And the word of God has changed that, which filters down into your belief system, into your convictions now. Your convictions change. You think of somebody who, who gets taught evolution. You look at, at their belief system. You look at their convictions, their attitudes, their perceptions, their behavior. They don't have much value for life. It's easy to murder a child in the womb because it's not really a human. Do you know what I mean? Your thoughts determine eventually your behavior. So we don't want to start changing our attitudes, changing, working on all those things. This isn't a self, you know, kind of made program, self-help thing. It is getting to the core of things, of how do we think in our heart. And so good thoughts produce a good belief system. God's thoughts produce a good belief system. If you think about the woman with the issue of blood, how did she get healed? 
the Bible says in Matthew somewhere, um, I think it's around 16 or 15, it says, the woman, she said, she but thought in her mind, she but thought, if I just touch his garment, I will be healed. And so what did she do? She didn't just think that. She then acted on that, and she changed, because she had heard about Jesus. She had heard what he'd been doing, and she thought, well, I can, he can change my life. I can, be, I can get healing as well. And so she pushed through the crowd. Her behavior changed. Her attitude, first of all, changed. Her belief system, I can get healed. I don't have to walk around with this. And so she pushed through, and she touched him, and she was healed instantaneously. And Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And then he said to the woman, woman, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say your thoughts have made you whole. He said, your faith has made you well. And you see, faith is released through our belief system. So she thought it, it changed her belief system, and so she could release faith now to receive her miracle. So... Many people think they've got a faith problem. They don't. Faith is easy when you're thinking right and you're thinking with God's thoughts. Faith is easy. But it's difficult when you're thinking the wrong things. So we don't have a faith problem. We have a thought problem. Isn't that good? <laughs> you know what's so good about that is that we can change that, that God gives us a choice now. We can actually change our thinking. We can change um, Change things. Okay, shout, shout. Aren't you excited about that? So, okay, Kylie, now's the time to take a photo. Because, sorry, let me get the fan. No. Sorry, I'm only joking. I'm just, I just want Rob to really have evidence that I am working this morning and that I am preaching. He sends lots of love, by the way. And, um, yeah. He phoned me like a few times yesterday to encourage me because at one point I was crying. Oh, my thinking was wrong. I don't know if I can do this. I'm so scared. And he's like, come on, pull yourself together, you know. And, and so he encouraged me. So, you know, we, we can change our thinking, but also people around us help us and encourage us. And we've got the Holy Spirit who helps us. So thank you, Rob. But let me give you some motivation. Let's turn to, I don't know if it comes up on the screen, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10 and verse 5. And we're going to just see here how urgent and how important it is, um, our thinking. It's there. Okay. Let's read it together. We demolish together arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And now this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we take captive every thought. There's a real intention there. What does captive say to you? What does it speak of to you? It speaks to me of restriction, of arresting, of putting a stop to, of confining those thoughts, taking them captive. You know, it's like, say, for instance, a criminal broke out of jail here in Victor Harbor, and he was prowling, he was on the streets, and the police would put every effort into capturing that person before they did any damage to society. 
And it's the same thing, say, a killer virus. I just read uh, the other day there was this, like, Listerine things. Some people died from it. And um, it's the same thing. If that thing is let loose, the CSIRO, they will do everything they can to capture that, to control it, and to put it away so that it does no more damage to people. And the very same thing with our thoughts. Our thoughts left to just run and to roam and to be negative and just whatever can do damage to our soul, do damage to our psychology, to our mental health, to our well-being. And so that is why it is so important to take captive those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Isn't that good? When I had my aneurysm, it's not my aneurysm, but when I had that aneurysm, and um, in my head, you know, there were days where you just think, maybe, I mean, I survived it, but I'm like, oh, maybe the thing's going to come back and it's going to explode in my head and I'm going to die. And, you know, you, you can, these thoughts come at you. And that's why you have to actually take them captive. They're not innocent. They are trying to control you, but we have got power over them. We don't let our thoughts um, determine who we are, but we determine what thoughts we're going to allow in and what thoughts we are going to not allow in. Uh, since November, um, we had lost seven people, very close friends, one in South Africa, a best friend in South Africa. Um, he died, and we were there just before he died, and we prayed for him, but he died. And so from November till now, we, we have lost seven people. And then we arrived here on Tuesday, and um, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, we get a phone call from America to tell us our very good friend in America, uh, Pastor David DeMola, had suddenly had a heart attack and passed away. And it was, I couldn't believe it, I was in shock. And so all these deaths, so look, please don't be my friend, okay? Because <laughs> it's getting scary. <laughs> no. But, you know, all these things come at you, and you hardly have time to process them sometimes. But in all of those things, I had to, on, on Wednesday morning, um, I, I just felt such grief, you know, and I think it's good. We need to process things. You know, these things come at us. It's good to process them, but we always process in a positive light, because we're in the new covenant. So everything that happens, we frame it in a positive way, and that empowers us. Otherwise, you just sink down into a deep pit of depression. You know, I could have gone around saying, this is the eighth person, you know, but, you know, it's not really about me um, if I do that, if I don't do that. I've got to think, how do I manage all these things that happen to me in a positive way in my thought life so that things don't get deep into my heart that are going to um, hinder me as a person. And, and so I, I have to constantly do that. I've got to be on the alert. Process things, but process them in grace and process them in the light of the new covenant and in the light of God's kingdom, God's word, and eternity. So let's see now the next scripture. 
Well, I'm not going to read it, but it's in Matthew 6, and I will just quote it. And this is in the New Living Translation, and I also like the King James's language for this scripture. And it says, yeah, Jesus is saying, and he says, take no thought. So this is the next point. Take no thought. So now we are shown, and it, the context there is about, take no thought about um, your life about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, you know, what you're going to wear. So the things of life, the things that many, many people worry about, things that cause worry, anxiety, stress. God's saying, actually, those things I've got, I've got a hold of for you. If you keep your eyes on me and you seek my kingdom, all these other things will be added to you. But so many people waste and take up so much headspace, and I've, I include myself in that from time to time until I preach this message to myself again, um, that we, we take up so much headspace with worry and anxiety and worrying about things that we don't have to worry about because God's saying you don't have to worry about that. I am going to take care of you. And so it shows us there where he says take no thought. That means you can take a thought or you can reject a thought. So the thing there is that you've got the choice. Nobody else can do it for you. Your husband can't do it. Your wife can't do it. Your your church can't do it. Chad can't do it. Only we can decide with our thoughts what we're going to receive and what we're not going to receive. And, and so the more we do that, monitoring our thoughts, the easier and the easier it becomes. You, you set up a pattern in your life of uh, vigilance and alertness to monitoring what goes, comes through your head. Because you see, the thing is, is that um, the thing is, is that there's thoughts going around all the time. I don't know. I have. I don't have the statistics, but I, I think a person must have at least a thousand thoughts a day, at least, at least, going through, coming at their heads, going through their heads. And like that saying goes, you can't stop the birds flying over your head, but you can stop them making a nest in your hair. Now, just have a picture of that in relationship to thoughts. Could you imagine if I was standing up here today and I had this huge big nest in my, on top of my head and all these birds? Because, you know, if you allow those thoughts to get in there, they start to multiply. They start having babies and they start growing. And so I'm standing here talking to you and I've got this huge big nest on top of my head with all these birds squawking and making a noise. That is how some people's minds are because they allow all these thoughts to come in and worry them and cause anxiety and, and thinking about these things and trying to work everything out. And so remember that when these thoughts come at you. Just think, imagine if somebody could see me now, they'd see this huge big nest on top of my head. I like to think in picture form sometimes. So there we see that only we can monitor our own thoughts. I would like now to read from the Passion Bible, and I've only got the little mini version until today. Don't be pulled into different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will, God, will, uh, will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Let's go to verse 8. 
So keep your thoughts continually fixed, fixed, that's an action, on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten, I love that word, fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. So there we see it talks about fixing your, um, your thoughts and fastening your thoughts on the positive things, on the things of God, not on the negative things going on around us. That talks to me about being vigilant about how, what, how we process and what we allow in. And we have a choice to fix our eyes on the negative or fix our eyes on the positive, thinking about the things that God has done, all the beautiful things. And, um, and I really do believe that um, that is what brings really good mental health. And you can do this anywhere because, you know, our thoughts happen everywhere and anywhere. And so you can be in the supermarket, you can be at school, you can be at work. And if these thoughts come at you, I want you to actually stop, pause, think about it, and then make a decision. How am I going to respond? Because many people, like situations come at them and they just react. We don't want to react, we want to respond. Between every situation and a response, there is a little gap, a little pause, and it's in that pause that we've got the choice. Do I react or do I respond? And it's like training yourself. And some people say, oh, no, that's too hard. Well, it's not really too hard. Once you start doing it, you will see the benefits are so great that you don't want to go back to just randomly letting thoughts um, come through your mind and getting into your heart. You know, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. So our life actually come out of our heart and the things that are in our heart. So we need to guard it. And God is also a very deliberate word. It is protection. It is protecting your heart. And many people like to go over thoughts and over thoughts. You know, like you feel a pain in your body. And so you think, oh, I've got a pain there. And then the next day you've got the same pain. And then three days later, you've got the same pain. And then you start thinking about this pain. And now you've got cancer, you know, in your thinking. You've got cancer. And a few days later, you've planned your funeral. You know, you, want the, you, know, you know the songs that you want and what, you know, somebody's got to say. And you've divided up all your jewelry and your goods to all your grandchildren. And... Um, this is what our minds do if we just let it go rampant, you know. So we've got to guard it. We've got to fix our eyes on the good things. No, this pain. Jesus, you've healed me. I don't receive this. It's not passive. It's vigilant. Okay. It's deliberate. Verse 8, it says, you know, fix, fasten. So it's, a, it's, it's a deliberate. We are doing it deliberately. We're putting in now. Filling our minds with the good things. Because you fill your minds with the things of God, with the word of God, with the actions of God. There's no space left anymore inside your head for all the rubbish, <laughs> for all the wrong things. Those come and you easily can recognize it. And you know, I'm not receiving that. I'm not taking that on board. And it doesn't matter if people hear you talking and speaking to yourself and saying these things in the supermarket. So what? You know, if you push in your trolley and you like this, 
people are thinking things anyway. They think you, you know, they think you're crazy. So you may as well be crazy happy, you know, and let them think whatever they like. They're eventually going to see a change. If you live down here in Victor Hub and you always go to that shopping center, they're going to see, wow, that, gee, she's pushing her trolley now like this and she's happy. Okay. Also for the guys. You push your trolley behind your wife. I've seen it. And um, be joyful, okay? <laughs> and then the fourth thing that I want to say, I mean, it doesn't, I haven't really given you point one, two, three, four, but you know, you can kind of get them out of what I've said. As I said, I'm not a teacher, sorry, Chad. You get, you get, you get the best teaching from Chad. So I'm not trying to be a teacher, I'm just trying to inspire you put some thoughts there into your head, into your heart, and showing you that there is a, there is a way to live uh, that is uh, in, in line with the kingdom of God in our thought life that can actually give you a, a, positive, um, uh, a positive rather than a negative life. We, you know, we are faced with, everybody is faced with, so there is so much bad news in this world I mean, you just have to turn the TV on, and you can become overwhelmed with what you hear on the TV, what you see around you. You can become overwhelmed, and you think, God, how is all this going to be sorted out? And then, you know, you start taking on the problems of the world, and we can't do that. We have got to keep a good sense of psychology, a good sense of mental well-being, of the, the presence of God over our life, in our life, that God's words are powerful. God's words that have got into our heart can produce, they can produce fruit, they can produce um, positive things in your life. They help you to be a winner, to be an overcomer. So, you know, research has shown that stress, if you frame stress correctly, it actually works to your advantage in your body. You know, everybody says stress is so bad for you. Stress is bad for you, but if you frame it correctly, in the right way, in the God way, then stress actually releases um, uh, good stuff into your body that actually keeps your body healthy. But if you don't frame it correctly, that's where sickness, mental health, depression, sadness, eventually bitterness to circumstances start to dominate. And... So I've been learning over the years. I've had to learn, train myself how to reframe things because so many things, you know, sometimes it's just like one thing comes after the next and you like, you, you just go along with it. And I've had to say, no, I've got to reframe this situation. So let me give you an example. Say, for instance, to reframe um, something is um, like, say, for instance, uh, you lose your job, which is a... Uh, it's not a good thing to lose your job. But it's how you view it. So you have to now take it and reframe it. You can say, oh, I've lost my job. I'm useless. Now what am I going to do? There's no money for the family. And you can get yourself downward into such a spiral. So you've got to take a bad situation and you've got to reframe it in your thinking. And you've got to say to yourself, okay, I've lost my job. But I know that God loves me. I know that God is in control. I'm speaking to myself now. God, you are in control. You have only got good things for me. You want to bless me. I'm the head and I'm not the, I'm not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. And you will work everything to my good. So I thank you, Father, that you are going to give me an even better job. 
And Father, that in that job, I am going to meet new people. I'm going to meet new people that I can speak to, that I can lead to Christ, that I can share the gospel with. And you start talking to yourself and reframing that bad situation. And before you know it, somebody's phoned you and you've got a new job. And it's just amazing how that works. But if you allow yourself to go down, it's like the anointing is not released. Whereas if we are agreeing with God's word and we're speaking his word out, it's like we are releasing that anointing the words of God to accomplish what, we, what he wants it to accomplish in our life. So reframe things when pressure and circumstances, because you don't want those pressures and circumstances to define you. Like I said earlier, you can define those circumstances. You say no circumstances. You are not going to have control over me. I am in control of this with God, and I'm going to change those circumstances. So that's a good place to clap. <laughs> and the thing is, like I said, the more you do it, the consistency at, at which you monitor your thoughts, um, then that is what uh, God uses. The pressure and the stress uh, framed right will begin to build a capacity in you. It will begin to mold you into his likeness. And it begins to mold you and shape you into a key that now can fit and open many, many situations, many, many difficult situations, many, many spiritual doors to you. There's a purpose in this. If we give up and we just allow negativity, we, we're not going to go anywhere in life. We've got to, as I said, we've got to take that step. No change, change nothing, nothing's going to change. So we take that step. And as we take that step, the anointing kicks in. The anointing is released. And now you have been, instead of pressure molding you, you've allowed and reframed that and allowed God to mold you and your character and your attitudes and your behavior into a key that can fit and unlock prison doors for yourself and for other people. So there's a purpose. You build a capacity not a capacity to hold a lot of stress, a capacity to turn that stress into a positive thing for your life to enable you to move forward and to move in your destiny, continually not being taken off course, not distracted by the things around us and the bad situations, circumstances, and even the good things. Many people just go off when even the good things happen. We've always got to keep ourselves in alignment with his word, that we seek first his kingdom. And so I hope today that you've got something out of this word, because I really do believe it's got, it can build a stability in your life when you practice this and you do these things, controlling uh, your thoughts, keeping your heart guarded, taking captive every thought making it obedient to Christ. So you capture your thoughts, then you direct your spoken word, you direct your thoughts instead of to negative, you're directing them to the word of God and to the positive. And then you monitor what is coming in, the thoughts that are coming in, and you're taking them captive. And you're saying yes to that, no to that. And you are reframing the stresses and the problems that come your way. And when you start to do that, you, it's like you just build and build and build a strength. And this doesn't happen overnight. 
this hasn't happened to me overnight. It's been a process. If I didn't do that, I know for sure I would have given up. I would not be in the ministry today because there is so much stress, so much stuff comes at you that unless you frame it in, the, in eternity and in the word of God, it is very hard to stand in these days. But we can because of the, 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 um, the, um, the keeping power of the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, amen. Chad, I know that wasn't a teaching as such, but I hope it all made sense. Hey? Cool, okay. So, I wonder if you could just stand. I'd, I would like to just pray for all of you, for God's anointing to just come afresh, to come upon you. You know, the anointing of God turns our difficulties into divine appointments, into opportunities. He turns our, our mourning into joy. He turns our ashes into the garment of praise. He turns our ashes into beauty. He gives us beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. So if that is where you're sitting today and you're feeling, God, I know that I need a change. I'm wanting to take that step forward. I'm wanting to be a responsible person to my thought life, to what I'm allowing to come in to the arena of my mind and my heart. And I'm wanting to purposefully capture those thoughts and empower myself. Because as you do that, you are releasing the power of God upon you. You're empowering yourself. You can say no to things. You're no longer a victim to circumstances. You're no longer a victim to what happens around you. You are actually a victorious person. You have got the mind of Christ. And so you can speak these things. And when those situations come, you speak those things. So you say to me, Rob, uh, Glenda, I want to... I, w I want to pursue this journey. I want you just to raise your hand, and I want to just pray for you. And thank you. And I want God's Holy Spirit to come upon you. God, the Holy Spirit responds to the cry of our heart. He is our helper. He is the one who actually comes alongside of us, and he can help us. Like I said, nobody can make decisions for you, but the Holy Spirit actually comes alongside of you, and he helps you. He'll say to you, you know that, that thought that you had? This is how you should think. And he's like your coach. He's like your trainer. And that's why it is so beautiful to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit, because he is the one who helps us in this life. He is the one that takes us forward, and he is the one that empowers us and gives us all the things we need from him. So, Father, I just thank you right now. I thank you, Father, that you are a God of compassion. You know, the Bible says that Jesus wept when he saw Lazarus was dead. Jesus can identify with your feelings. It says Jesus was moved with compassion. So it's not like you're on this hard track that you've got to, it's all up to you. It is up to you to monitor your thoughts, but Jesus has compassion on you. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus wants to be involved in every decision. He wants to be involved in your thoughts, and he wants to help you. And so, Father, I just thank you right now that your presence goes out, and you touch each person in their heart.
Father, for only you know the thoughts of a man. I do not know the thoughts of a man. I only know what I think. Nobody's a mind reader here. So we just submit ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. And we just thank you that you come in transforming power right now. That you move by your spirit upon each person's mind, each person's heart, upon their soul, upon their body, Father. Where there's been damage, Father, from our thinking, maybe sickness in our bodies. I just pray now for that anointing oil to come and to massage those pains out, those sicknesses out, Father. Heal. You heal the brokenhearted. You set at liberty those that are bruised. Father, we've been bruised from life. I thank you that you come and you heal that bruising by your anointing. I thank you that you give us a garment of praise instead of heaviness. I just rebuke every spirit of heaviness now, every spirit of sadness, every spirit of depression, Father, that would try to um, control people's thinking. We just break that and we set them free, Father, to be able to think the thoughts of God into their situation. Thank you, Lord. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.